Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Bet Online, Deal Dash, and Manscaped. I'm your co host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, one full week of sports. We did it. I know. It's been great. The MLB seems to be wavering, but luckily <laughs> we got the NBA back in the bubble. It's been awesome so far. NHL has started up. Uh, we've had the PGA, so, and NFL training camp opens up uh, this week, so. All positive sports news, really, this week. Mm-hmm. I think even just to be able to go onto the Yahoo Sports app and and see all the box scores of baseball week in week out, um, sorry, day in day out has been so nice. And and you look at the schedule that we had yesterday on Saturday. We're not NHL guys, but there were NHL games. I won my first ever NHL bet. That was nice. Uh, unders 
in the Rangers uh, Hurricanes game under one and a half goals first period. Props to me. Um, but all the baseball, all the basketball, like you said, seems like baseball might be wavering a little bit here, but we're making the most out of uh, this week, Tyler, with our no runs first inning bets that are winning left and right. I know it's great to be on the right side of a trend here, uh, you know, hopping on all the games every day for no runs first innings paid off this week. So I'm sure if next week it'll go the other way, but it's been a fun week. Yeah, it's been it's been a great run here. I think we have what, maybe one more game tonight, but uh, definitely definitely up big there, and it's been good good Twitter content. So everyone who's been part of the Nerfy gang, no run first inning gang. Uh, we uh we we built something there, so it's nice. We'll see we'll see how long we can keep that up. Um, but early takeaways from the NBA season came back Thursday night. Uh, we had what the Pelicans Jazz. So Rudy Gobert fresh from ending the NBA season. He's the first game back. And then we had Lakers Clippers in the late game. Tyler, before we talk basketball, uh, if you had to choose one or the other, do you like the NBA's virtual fans or the cutouts more in the MLB? I mean, I think it's different, right? The MLB cutouts are there because you're in a huge empty stadium. The NBA has the luxury of kind of just putting the kind of lights on the cra- on this, the court, so you don't t- you can't tell there's no crowd essentially the way the NBA shoots it. Um, I mean, the virtual fans for the NBA is cool. Like if you get on there, I saw Chris Bosh was there for one of the games the other night, so that was pretty funny. Um, I mean, I still like the MLB cutouts better just because you, you need something there. Some games you watch, there's no fans, uh, n- nothing in the in the seats, so it looks terrible. At least having the cutouts helps a little bit, but I'm a fan of whatever any any of these leagues try. It's, there's, there's no playbook for it. Yeah, yeah. But then in terms of basketball, um, we, we were both on the Jazz the first game. That was... Uh, a classic, a cl- a classic baby Lakers game. I was on. I was actually on the Pelicans uh, first half, and that hit because I knew. So kind of playing off what you were gonna say, baby Lakers, where they play better than the other team for about eighty-five percent of the game, and then when it comes down to crunch time, they choke. So that was kind of typical. So I was happy to be on their good side in the first half, and then Jazz ended up winning the game. Mm, I think maybe I was thinking of Alex, our producer. I think he he took the Jazz. Uh, Yeah, Zion, they kind of made this whole the four-game thing in terms of the playoffs for the Pelicans, more or less, to get them there. And they got destroyed, um, was it, yesterday. So we'll see if the Pelicans even qualify. They're teetering on the edge. They're four games out, I think, at the time we're recording. Um, and then Lakers-Clippers was an awesome game. The Clippers are without uh, Harrell and, and Lou Williams. Um, they'll, they'll be back, but they're without them now. Lakers-Rondo's out for probably another six weeks, I think. Um, and and uh, Avery Bradley opted out of the bubble. The Lakers watching them, they're so reliant on AD. AD was incredible early in the game. LeBron made some plays down the stretch, uh, played great defense on Paul George and Kawhi at the end there. But I still have a hard time. I still have a hard time seeing the Lakers beating the Clippers in a seven-game series. The Clippers just have so many guys. Whereas Alex Crusoe, I I really do like him. He's a great role player. This is going to be a classic uh, lead up for a butt. Um, he can't be playing like big minutes in in an NBA Finals or Western Conference Finals for that means. Yeah, there was a surreal moment in that game where the lineup was is LeBron, Deion Waiters, 
J.R. Smith, Markeith Morris, and I forget who the fifth guy was, but seeing those four guys out there on the court for Lakers in 2020 for a first-place team in the Western Conference is, like, surreal to see those four guys on the court. is is very funny, but, I mean, the thing about the Clippers is, and I've said this, and I said it last week when we talked to Mo, they have a better roster than the Lakers. I don't think that's a hot take. But we keep hearing, oh, they don't have all their guys. They haven't had all their guys really together all season, so who knows when they are all together, is it going to work? Yes, I'm, tr- I'm biased because we're Laker fans, but to just keep banking on, oh, once they have all their guys, they're going to click and get right in it, I think is a little unfair to what the Lakers have done and uh, you know done this year. So I'm not writing off the Lakers against the Clippers just because some of these guys are out. I mean, Rondo will be back by that time um, by the Western Conference Finals, and I think he takes a little less minutes away from Crusoe, who, I mean, he make, he just makes clutch plays. A lot of people love to hate on him because he gets so much attention, which it's a lot for a role player. He gets probably the attention of an all-star level player, but he, may, he makes a lot of clutch plays, but I do think they miss Rondo having that second ball handler out there with the bench unit. They don't really have a true point guard other than LeBron on the roster, so getting him back will be big, and hopefully he'll be back by mid-playoffs, but I, I do think the Lakers can beat the Clippers just because we haven't seen what the Clippers team together is all together. You know, they do have a lot of guys who could score, but who knows if they're going to mesh when they're all there. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's really it's going to come down to AD um, in, in that series and how dominant he can be um, and staying on the floor, things like that. Other takeaways, the Rockets-Mavs game was essentially an all-star game. Incredibly entertaining. Final score, I think, went into the 150s in overtime. Big game out of Luka. James Harden has had a monster game. That team just, like... The the Rockets just figure out a way to to hit the over every game they played. It was kind of a better's paradise. Uh, the NBA, I think it was the first, I think it was the Friday, every favorite and over hit. So tough day for Vegas, you know. Good good day for us, the common man. Yeah, I had the Mavs team total over in that game it was one sixteen and a half. I think at halftime they had eighty four points, so I was <laughs> feeling good. I thought I had the game total too. I forgot to put that in, but I was happy I had the Mavs. Yeah, just no defense, and the Rockets are super. Like that was a great game to watch. I don't think the Rockets have longevity in the playoffs because they just don't play any big men. Like the Mavs. Just should have given Porzingis the ball every time. He could have scored 60 points in that game. They didn't have anyone over like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, really playing consistently for them. So while the Rockets are a super fun team to watch now in the playoffs if they're playing that way, I just don't think they're going to be able to go far. I could see them winning a series and maybe causing some trouble for a higher seed in the second round, or I could see them losing, like getting swept out in the first round, especially if they play Denver and Jokic is playing well. Like how do they expect to win that series? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of going to be the battle of two two strategies there if that if that matchup ends up happening. Um, but yeah, it is just it's so nice having it back in our lives. Um, before actually, so let's let's cut to our interview with Greg. So we had Greg Peterson back on. He joined us 
uh, either earlier this year or last year. I forget exactly, but Greg is awesome. He's a high-energy guy, works for Vizen, has his own uh, college basketball podcast. That's when we had him on last time. This time we'll, we'll get into a little MLB talk and check in, hear what he's been up to since uh, quarantine started. Support for Full Slate is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. This battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that drunk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE, all caps, no spaces, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off for free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FULLSLATE. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return to sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in the series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up $0.01 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer on, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code FULLSLATE or DealDash.FM backslash FULLSLATE. That's DealDash.FM forward slash Okay, and Cody and I are excited to be joined by recurring guest Greg Peterson, host of the Baseball Betting Podcast. Greg is located out in Las Vegas. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you back on. We were talking a little bit before we got started. Last time we talked, it was February 10th. We were discussing college basketball, moving into conference tournament season, then eventually March Madness, previewing that. So what have you kind of been up to in the five months since, uh, you know, COVID hit and everything? What have you kind of been doing? Well, you know what? I've been watching a lot of rom-coms on Netflix, (laughs) trying to avoid Tiger King, if at all possible, and just waiting for the return of sports. I've been doing a little bit of KBO, good old Korean baseball organization. I know that. A lot of people wound up jumping on that, and I was just preparing for what sort of an MOB season we were going to be having, 
And I'm right now just taking a look forward to the college basketball season because we had a record amount of transfers this offseason in college basketball. And I'm preparing as if we are going to have a normal season because one thing that college basketball has going for it, unlike the other sports, is that because it was the first one to shut down, it's the last one that really needs to get up and running. So obviously we have been getting the best of news with regards to the pandemic front, but just trying to stay prepared because the worst thing that happens is if the college basketball season, if the college basketball season doesn't wind up happening or if it winds up being a little bit delayed, all you did was waste some time in which you'd probably be spending doing some just like mindless hobbies like crocheting quilts or something like that, and nobody wants to be crocheting quilts. Do you crochet quilts out in Vegas? No, I do not. <laughs> Actually, my mom and my sister do some crocheting. Me, not so much. That 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 uh, gene that get passed along. Okay, um, but but yeah. Before we get to really get into sports a little bit here, so I remember last last we spoke, you you kind of had a pretty impressive daily regimen in terms of running. I believe it was like twelve or thirteen miles a day. Um, you you released the podcast late at night. Sleep is is hard to come by. So what was what was a day in the life of uh, Greg Peterson during quarantine like? Were you still getting your miles in? Oh, I'm still getting my miles in. I haven't missed a day of running throughout this entire thing. So I've been keeping up with that, whether it be the spring months or maybe right now where it's 110 degrees every day i'm still outside i'm getting in my 12 miles so there's that i'm typically like just taking a couple naps throughout the day because with the kbo those games typically start at 5 30 a.m eastern 2 30 a.m pacific so i actually watch those and then obviously now with baseball coming back i'm dialed in on all of those games so it's a very strange, unusual, and all-over-the-place schedule, but you know what? It's a lot of fun, and I embrace it. A creature of habit. I, I love to know that. You're still running through, you know, the pandemic keeps other people <laughs> motivated. Uh, that might might be slacking off a little bit. So you mentioned you're betting KBO, your, your schedule and your sleep schedule around it. What Have you enjoyed watching that, or is it just a lesser product on the MLB? What, what, are, what have been your takeaways on it? It's a whole lot of fun. It can be a little bit more unpredictable. I've been doing significantly better with betting the MLB rather than the KBO, but it's just a fun product in general. You can tell that the guys out there on the field, they're having a good time. You've got a couple guys that we remember from their days in the MLB, like Dan Straley's on the low take Giants. You've got Aaron Altair, who's on the NC Dinos, who is the best team out there in the KBO. So that's been terrific. And if you think the bullpens in the MLB are bad, just look at the KBO. These bullpens are absolutely terrible, and it makes it so that these games are like 2-1 to one going into the sixth inning, and then final score, 15-13 to 13 in like 12 innings. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, I really respect your dedication. Uh, start time at 2.30 in the morning, making it through there. But, again, that was for May. Was it April to May? That was, that was kind of the only show in town for a while before UFC came back. Um, but in terms of the MLB, your your uh, last we spoke, your college basketball betting style, you take a side and a total every game. You do the same for Major League Baseball. What's your prep process like um, in terms of what, what you're reviewing, what are you looking at, and uh, how, do you, how do you find an edge when you're betting that many games? The biggest thing is trying to correlate pitchers. Like We saw this on Sunday with the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates game. With the Pittsburgh Pirates, 
They wound up using Stephen Brault as their starter, but I remember from their first game, they wound up using Stephen Brault as sort of an opener, and then from there they wound up using Chad Cool. Chad Cool wound up coming in as the guy that wound up following Stephen Brault once again in this one, despite the fact that Stephen Brault had three no-hit innings for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He winds up not even allowing a walk or anything like that. Chad Cool winds up following him up. Cool from there winds up giving up a run. In the end, it winds up being a Cubs 2-1 to win. Those are the sorts of things that you're looking at. Just sort of who's going to be following some of these starters and just looking to see how far these starters are going to go in general because we know that this is a season unlike any other that we've seen in the MOB. And as a result, these starters are not going as long because you had a quick three-week ramp-up time. Typically, you have a month plus in spring training. You're able to get a couple spring training starts. And what else is really big is that you didn't get as much live playing time going into the year as well because there are some teams that they wound up playing a maximum of three of those like summer camp, spring training, exhibition games, whatever you'd like to call them. Typically, in spring training, you get like 20-plus games. You get a bunch of bites at the apple. And these turning pitchers really didn't get that. So it's all about maneuvering, okay, who is going to be out there and who's going to be giving that amount of innings. And also, different bets require just a different way of betting them because we know that with baseball this year, there are many more books that are going to action only. That means that you can't go pitcher dependent. Typically in baseball, if you want to lock in a bet on the Washington Nationals and Max Scherzer is pitching, you always want the protection that Max Scherzer is pitching. There are some books that have done away with it. There are others that are keeping up with it, like out here in Las Vegas, Circus. Like Circa is one that is very famous for it. They're always going to let you go pitcher dependent. But there are other books like the Westgate that they've done away with it. So all your bets are action. So it's all about knowing which books are letting you go pitcher dependent if you're betting on a guy like a Jacob DeGrom, like a Patrick Corbin, one of these aces, and locking in on that one. Meanwhile, if you're taking the over in a game, you really don't need to go pitcher dependent because you're already banking on bad pitching to begin with. And if a pitcher winds up getting scratched, he's typically not going to be getting replaced by someone better. It's not one of these situations where with like the New York Mets, David Peterson is supposed to start and he gets scratched. And instead, congratulations, you get Jacob DeGrom. That's typically not going to happen. You're typically instead going to get like Jurisich Familia in an opener role, something that you'd want absolutely no part of. Yeah, it feels like the pitching this year, and especially the bullpens, are just so terrible. And you look at teams like the Mets, the Cubs, who could have, you know, you mentioned the KBO, like that example earlier, could have a lead or it could be a close game going into the fifth. The starters aren't as loose without, you know, the typical spring training. They bring in the bullpen, the game just implodes from there. Has there been a team early on that you've kind of been riding? I mean, well, you bet every game, but has there been a team you've been betting consistently that you're having a lot of success with or a certain side with a team? Any any trends you've noticed so far? The San Francisco Giants have all of a sudden been playing a bunch of balls. Yeah, great. You think of San Francisco, you think of a big giant ballpark, you think of a bunch of unders, but as we're doing this podcast right now, each of the Giants' last, I believe it's six games have went over. It's either 5-0-1 or 6-0, depending on your numbers. So they certainly have been playing a whole bunch of overs. The Baltimore Orioles are coming off a sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays as well. If you saw that coming, congratulations. You deserve like a private island somewhere because 
the Baltimore Orioles are always the laughing stock of the league and the Tampa Bay Rays were a team that we all thought was going to thrive in this just strange and awkward season in which you've got a bunch of pitchers that aren't necessarily going deep. So that has certainly been something of note. And then just taking the unders with the Cleveland Indians through the first week and a half of the year. Congratulations, Cleveland. One over, and I think that they've broken the four-run plateau once. This is a team wow. that they're not getting any offense generated, but yet they've got good pitching with guys like Zach. Please, Zach. Shane Bieber has me as a believer. 27 strikeouts <laughs> in his first two starts. He has been absolutely magnificent. You've got a good bullpen with the Cleveland Indians, so unders with them have been terrific. So do you, Greg, do you leave yourself time to bet any, like, first fives or something Tyler and I have gotten into this week is uh, no-run first inning bets, which have been uh, very profitable this week at least. Do you dabble in those at all, and what are your thoughts around um, kind of those kind of micro bets? I like to go full game just because when you have a smaller sample size, the odds that one specific play or one specific pitch it affects the outcome of the bet becomes greater and greater because obviously when you do a first inning yes slash no bet, if you wind up taking the no, you have a pitcher that throws one bad pitch, boom, it's toasted. So you could have like Max Scherzer on the mound. He winds up giving up one run over the course of seven innings. But if that one run came in the first inning, that bet is already torpedoed. So that's something that I like to stay away from. I like to go with the full game because I do do a lot of research with regards to these bullpens as well. Just because when you take a look at the MLB, it has become so bullpen reliant. And that's why first fives are a little bit more of a roll of the dice as well. Because typically during like the 2018-2019 seasons, we saw starters going fewer and fewer innings. But at the same time, you could typically rely upon a lot of guys being able to give you five strong. Aside from now, you're really, really good guys. The guys I mentioned for the Cleveland Indians, you've obviously got your perennial all-stars, Jacob DeGraw, Max Scherzer, all those guys. You don't know whether you're going to get five innings or not out of these guys, especially with a team that they like to go a little bit over the place, like the Tampa Bay Rays, the Milwaukee Brewers. You just don't know how far these starters are going to be going. And that's why I'd rather handicap the full game because the whole objective of a first five is to be able to take the bullpen out of the game. And you're just not able to do that quite as much now as you were able to a few years ago. Yeah, it's it's a good point. You mentioned the Giants. Jeff Samarja went five and two-thirds today. That was their longest start from a starter this year. So not getting that longevity we're used to. I saw you tweeted out uh, 20 minutes ago that Bregman, Altuve, and Springer are all hitting 175 or lower for the Astros. So what was what was your kind of takeaway from the whole Joe Kelly thing that happened earlier this week and the suspension that came down and the reaction to that? What was your takeaway from all of that? I thought it was so funny that Joe Kelly wound up being the guy that wound up beating <laughs> the Houston Astros. Or not beating them. He threw at them. He didn't actually hit anyone. But we all remember Joe Kelly a couple years ago got in a scuffle with the New York Yankees when he was on the Boston Red Sox and I thought it was absolutely terrific he winds up getting an eight game suspension which is obviously being appealed right now and if I were the MLB he gave the people what they wanted we're finally talking about Major League Baseball from a non-COVID perspective I think not only should they drop the eight game suspension Joe Kelly deserves a pay raise I mean he gave the good people what they wanted he gave us entertainment I thought it was absolutely terrific and we're seeing it right now with a lot of these Houston Astros guys. They're just not hitting the way that they did back during the 2018-17, what-have-you seasons. 
Now, obviously, very small sample size, but I do think that it is one of these things where it is a situation in which you want to send a message that cheaters should not be rewarded. And Joe <laughs> Kelly, well, he was on the Boston Red Sox when they apparently had a little yeah, bit they... of science-killing <laughs> science-killing thing of their own, so that's very interesting as well. So the fact that he was the one to do it, I don't know if I would have necessarily put my money on him being the one, but the fact that it was made it just all the more hilarious. I was all for it. Yeah, he is kind of the perfect bullpen, uh, Kenny Powers-esque uh, villain Rick Vaughn, the guy that's just not going to back down out of the pen. So it was it was good to get him out there. It will be interesting to see what happens with the Astros. I think they're like 4-4 four and four out of the gate, obviously a very small sample size, but how much is is this whole thing going to wear on them as they go? And with no fans, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but speaking of no fans, like, are there any betting angles you have factored into your handicapping uh, that there are are no fans? Is there any edge there you think there is? Honestly, I've been taking a look at the KBO, the MPB, these other leagues that wound up starting up without fans. The home team has a very small advantage because they don't wind up traveling. They obviously are a little bit more familiar with the clubhouse, the elements, being able to sleep in their own bed and everything like that. But past that, there's really not a whole lot. lot. You maybe give a little bit of something to the home team, especially if you wind up having one of those awkward situations in which you have a game that's in a rain delay, the team winds up playing extra innings, and then they have to travel the next day. You're going to maybe talk that team that's hitting the road and has all that logistical nightmare a little bit downwards a little bit. But with that said, when I take a look at these games without fans, I really view them very neutrally, a little bit of an edge to the home team, but it's really not something that is a massive factor in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's hard to take away anything from having no fans and any edge that can be kind of gained from that. I think We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the COVID situation that happened this week with the Marlins, the Cardinals, um, who knows what else might come up. But what was kind of your thoughts on everything that happened with the Marlins, the reports that the team was going out in Atlanta, the MLB's decision to keep playing, Rob Manfred's quotes? Like, What, what were your guys' takeaways, Greg? You could kind of go first on that. My thoughts are the fish are tired of being fried and instead they want to try to fry the season on us. But with that said, obviously this is a situation in which everyone needs to have buy-in if these seasons are going to go the way that you want them to. And I just wish the MLB tried sort of that three-tiered plan that they were talking about a little bit earlier, because what we've noticed with the MLB season is that pretty much every team is playing teams from within two divisions with the NL central. You're playing teams from the NL Central and the AL Central. So everything is very regionalized. I don't understand why they couldn't set up three different hubs for these three different divisions. You take out a lot of the fuss, in my opinion. Now, obviously, you do have more guys on an MLB team than you do in the NBA, which is why the NBA has been so successful with their bubble. But you take a look at what the NHL has done. They've got sort of a two-tier process out there in Canada and obviously being in Canada, things are going a little bit better on the COVID front than here in the United States, but they've been able to do a very good job of it. And I just think that if they would have wound up going with like a three central hub plan, it would have been so much better. You take out the mystery of these teams going to like a casino or in the case of the Miami Marlins, going to get some 
let's call it not so clean and family friendly entertainment. So I sort of wish that that was the case. And now we're really reliant on these players to be able to give us a season. Yeah, I I echo what what you're saying, Greg. I think some kind of bubble would have been ideal. I think Rob Manfred gets a lot of blame, and he should. The players also, the bubble idea was proposed to them. They shot that down. Um, so it, it, nobody's scot-free in this one. The Manfred quote uh, that was really obnoxious from yesterday, actually, um, he said, we are playing, the players need to be better, but I am not a quitter in general, and there's no reason to quit now. We have had to be fluid, but it is manageable. The, the thing is, I feel like Manfred, throughout... We got a glimpse of this during the whole Houston Astros fiasco, which feels like years ago. But the guy never takes responsibility for, for really anything. It's just crazy to me that they give this 110-page document to all the teams about COVID protocol, but there's, like, nothing really in there for a situation uh, what like what we saw with the Marlins, where the Marlins, they had a team meeting, and they were like, yeah, we want to play, so they're going to play. Uh, I I think there's a reason not to have a specific number of like okay you get two players that have it you you have to shut down for a week like I think it should be more fluid than that but if there has to be some kind of like escalation process of some sort where it's like not just the team being like yeah we want to play because actually because that could be the fastest way that this whole thing gets blown up unfortunately what do you think Todd yeah yeah I think the biggest issue with it is. You know, the players need to take more responsibility. If you want to have a season in play, you can't go out to a casino. You can't <laughs> go to, a, you know, as Greg said, not family-friendly entertainment. You kind of <laughs> have to be confined, and it sucks, but you have to take that responsibility. But I all think it stems back to Manfred, and the players just honestly don't respect him. He hasn't gained any respect from them. The whole, way the whole Astros thing played out, not suspending any of the players, I think is having an impact. And for them to go out just stems that they don't take any of the rules that are in place seriously. And that stems from the leadership from the MLB, the owners. They wasted so much time arguing over how many games are going to be, how the revenue is going to be split, all that, when they could have maybe, one, started the season earlier, and two, to Greg's point, maybe done regional hubs that they could have set up quicker. And we were so happy once the MLB came back. And I was saying to one of my friends, like, remember everyone was, like, kind of piling on the MLB when they couldn't get a deal done, and they finally did, and people were happy. And they kind of just put this together quickly, and there's really no plan in place for anything. So I think there's a lot of blame on the players. Mostly the blame goes on uh, Manfred and just the MLB executives not to get a plan in place earlier because we're seeing it now. Just guys are – there's like there's no structure to it, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think – when during the negotiations about the, the salary and all all that stuff and, and the revenue sharing, the I mean the owners came out and seemed like yeah if we don't play we're actually fine with that that's better for us and I feel like that that being out in the ether uh, kind of probably doesn't sit well with a lot of the players so they're maybe a little more. Um, uh, it, like living their lives a little more risky than they should at this point, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll be able to keep this going because they do have a, basically a taxi squad of up to sixty people. Um, and I've really enjoyed it so far. Like Greg, so knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But I'm sure you've thought about this. If, if. 
because the the report came out that Manfred apparently warned the TV stations come Monday to prepare alternate programming potentially for if the season were to get shut down. So, Greg, what do you pivot to to start capping if if this thing gets gets shut down? I never stopped ca- capping the KBO, so that certainly is something, and I'm going to be continuing to look at the college basketball season, try to take a look at that. But with that said, you obviously do have the NFL hopefully on the horizon. Now, if mm-hmm. I'm the NFL, I am placing all my chips seemingly possible and trying to get something set up to where everything is on like a few central locations because right now, seeing right now with the MLB, why they're having such a tough time. So I'm certainly going to be taking a little bit of a look at that. I might start diving into the NBA, but with the NBA, the way that I'd be handicapping it is by looking at in-game bets because my big thing and the reason why I really don't do a lot of NBA is because you just have so many runs in these games. If you're betting it before the game, you're probably going to be finding the team that you wind up betting on either cover both covering by 15 points and being down in the spread by 15 points mm-hmm. in probably like a 20-minute time span. I mean, <laughs> you see it every time. It's like, oh, the Celtics are on a 12-0 run up. They just gave up 15 points once again. It just feels like that's the way it is with the NBA, and you can get just such better numbers in-game rather than if you try to do it just before the game. So that's something that I'd be looking at. Yes, especially with the three-pointer and how how many uh, teams attempt now. It's so easy to go on a run, and a 20-point comeback isn't the same it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But, yeah, hopefully, as you mentioned, Greg, the NFL could kind of see what's happening with the MLB and put together a better plan. Right now, they're going about, you know, training camp and everything. They have all the teams passed, I think, like their safety protocol, what they're going to do. But hopefully they come up with a better plan than what the MLB has. We saw today with, you know, Cespedes just opting out. It seems like um, Lorenzo Cain opted out as well yesterday. Like, I think we're going to see that with more guys from the MLB just opting out and dropping out, being like, this isn't worth it. Um, Just because the MLB just didn't, they wasted too much time arguing over the details that maybe weren't as important and not putting together a plan so they can have a full season rather than what we're seeing now. I totally agree with you. I do think that if the NFL is wise, they're taking notes of what the MLB is doing right now. And it's like rule number one for our season. Let's not do this. And if I'm the NFL right now, there have been so many teams that they're going to be trying to sell like 25% of their tickets and everything like that. Come to that bridge when you get there. Don't focus on the ticket sales whatsoever. Don't focus on the fans. Don't focus on that. Put all of your stock into just getting a product on the field because mm-hmm. with these leagues, you're going to be able to to survive if you put a product on the field. You, there's so much money now in these TV deals. Obviously, you want to be able to sell hot dogs and beer at the stadium and everything like that, but if you just get something out there, you're probably going to be able to survive this. If you're the MLB and you wind up having to shut down, that's just an absolutely terrible look. So if I'm the NFL... Priority 1 through 25, how do I get the season going with as few people infected as possible? And then you worry about trying to bring fans back into the stadiums. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you would think if if they went with, say, like four regional stadiums and kind of took over a city with a couple of uh, fields, that all those cities would probably be pretty excited to host the NFL and get that stream of business for 
a couple month period just given everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, we will we will see what happens there. But Greg, do you dabble in futures at all? Like, have you put in any any MLB futures here with this new playoff format where uh, eight teams get in from each league? Absolutely not. I am not looking at futures right now just because I just have the big fear that some of these futures are going to wind up being refunded. How is the playoffs even going to be decided as well? We're hearing some rumors that it might be win percentage. We're seeing now the seven inning double headers. You're pretty much being the victim of a little bit of bait and switch because the way that these games are being played for one and two, the structure of the playoffs is being changed before our very eyes. Heck, a couple hours before the season even started, if you wound up betting no on a lot of these to make the playoff props, you wound up having a lot worse value because the playoffs expanded hours before the season, and then with season wins, you need apparently 59 games to be played to have action. And most of these books, obviously, it's going to vary from place to place, but it's one of these things where I think, for one, you're probably just going to wind up getting your money back on a lot of these futures when it's all said and done. And two, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get with regards to a product. And if you wind up hanging on a future with the Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin and Max Scherzer get COVID-19 along with Juan Soto. I mean, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to handicap that? So it's just one of these things where I am avoiding features like the plague right now. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just adjusting rules on the fly, like the doubleheader thing you mentioned. Just to change that in the middle of the season is pretty wild, and to expand the playoffs a couple hours before the whole season starts, is <laughs> it, it's all wild, but hopefully they keep it going. We've enjoyed it so far. You mentioned... At the beginning, you watched a lot of rom-coms uh, on Netflix during quarantine. What were, what were a couple of your favorites? Well, anything with Kate Upton is typically pretty solid, so there certainly is that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. But I did wind up watching <laughs> Molly's Game. That's a really good one. Great movie. That's, that is a terrific movie. I think that uh, Jessica Chastain, who is the lead actress in that, she is absolutely terrific. So there's that. I always like the superhero movies. I had fallen behind with watching all those Avengers movies, so we caught up on that. And then we've just been watching, like, obviously those documentaries that came out from ESPN, The Last Dance, the one on Lance Armstrong I thought was pretty solid as well. I will say Long Gone Summer was a little bit bland in my opinion, but by and large, they were pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Did you dabble in reality TV at all? No, I am not a reality TV guy. I was in college when Jersey Shore was popular. Never again. <laughs> Greg, come on, Greg. You know Tyler and I are both from New Jersey. We had a uh, so Vinny and Polly D are on their own dating show on MTV now, and we had a star from the show on a couple weeks ago. That is actually pretty awesome, and I know that <laughs> I think it's Polly who wound up used to doing some DJing out here in Las yeah. Vegas at Dre's. So there is that. But with that said, the show itself, I want no part of watching Snooky cry and trying to eat pizza. Have Have you been to Dre's? I have been to Dre's, yes. I've actually been there a couple times. I've gotten bottle service once. Nice. Have you have you been to a pool party? Did you go to Poly D Day last year? I did not go to a pool party at Dre's. I have been to the Marquee a few times for pool parties, MGM as well. So I've been to a couple of them, never at Dre's though. Okay, we're going to see if we have to rewatch uh, last week's episode to see if we saw you at the pool party. I can assure <laughs> you I probably was not at that one. <laughs> All right, yeah, good to know uh, where what pool parties you're going to, and hopefully we could uh, maybe all go to one soon if that ever happens again. So where can <laughs> our uh, where, where can our listeners uh, follow you on Twitter, Greg, and get all your picks at? 
I'm on Twitter at GUNERSCORE81, and then for the podcast, which you mentioned, the Baseball Betting Podcast, along with Hoop and Hoop Hoops, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. I break down all my plays every single day, all for free on there. All the just raw plays are also tweeted out on my Twitter page as well, and then I add the analysis on the podcast. So got a nice little system going. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks again to Greg for coming on and joining the podcast this week. Always fun catching up with him. All right, Cody, let's move on to our double shot recap for this week. Last week, we made a lot of proclamations that that was the best (laughs) episode of this show, and I'm not stepping off of that, but this past week's episode to to follow up last week's, it's incredible how good this week's was, given the high bar that was set from the previous week's episode at uh, the pool party. Mm-hmm. Pauly D-Day, Pool Party Vegas, Corona Brain, Looking Fun, uh, Mike Fresh Out of Prison. Um, it, it was a perfect storm last week for, for an all-time episode. And then this week, MTV really followed it up with another uh, gem of an episode, I think. So Vinny, they go to Chippendales uh, for his show. Um, it, it It was perfect because I feel like this... Darren, Darren was a, Darren was a rock star season one. Season two, I think she's she struggled a little bit. She has not brought her a game. And then Susie is someone who's just an absolute firecracker. So the two of them going at each other, uh, more so just Susie going at uh, the ECBC crew was was incre- was great TV. I I don't really have more words for it. I mean I do. We'll get into it I guess, but. Uh, Susie, Susie brought home the crown, I think. And I think you find her annoying. Did anything else happen in the episode outside them at the Chippendale show? I feel like I blacked out. At the beginning, they go to lunch, Vinnie Polly, uh, and situation in Lauren. And, uh, they talk about Marie and Vinnie hooking up and about yeah. Nick and about Nikki a little bit. But yeah, it was Primarily, primarily Chippendales, and yeah, there was. I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah, it was it was pretty much all that. That's what I thought. But yeah, so Susie goes at Darren for kind of <laughs> making some backhanded comments about uh, Marissa a few episodes ago. But Darren and Marissa had already kind of you know squashed that, gone past that. They had their talk. She Darren apologized. Maybe what she said was misconstrued. Um, and then Susie you know, brings it up at the beginning of the episode. She just doesn't really like Darren. And then there's kind of little comments made here and there by her throughout the episode. And then Susie probably has one too many at Chippendales and just, like, explodes on Darren after the show and the rest of the episode. So I don't – I was agreeing with her for going at Darren about what she was saying because I agree with you. Darren, season one, was a rock star. She was great going at Nikki uh, for Polly's affection. This season, she just kind of hasn't done anything. She's like, doesn't seem like she's having fun there. The whole Ricky thing is, is kind of bizarre. Um, so I didn't disagree with Susie there, but Susie just takes it way too far and starts going at, like, B-Lashes, Marissa. Um, at the end of the episode, she s- tried stepping to Nikki, which just would not have ended well for her. And No one's end, safe. No one's safe. And then at the end, they're trying to make it seem like Susie's all alone. It's like she's isolating herself by attacking all these girls when she's very drunk and saying all this terrible stuff and putting some of uh, the personal stuff out there, what happened with 
uh, Ricky and Darren. Tough scene for Ricky um, at the club after. So, like, that's where Susie started annoying me, where she just, like, took it way too far. Yeah, would have been a good opportunity for a former friend of the program, Roman. Would have been a good plug for them there. Uh, Susie just was, like, a, a kind of a woman possessed. Like, she's normally just, like, fun, Cali girl, like, the crazy laugh. Uh, but her eyes, like she, <laughs> she went to another level. Um, I thought, I thought she was going to start throwing punches. Um, B lashes ripped off her eyelashes. That was another thing um, that happened. She called B lashes out. That's our girl. So that wasn't cool. But all in all, in terms of what you look for out of reality TV, we got it out of this episode. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Like you said, Susie was possessed. Like, Nikki's craziness for an episode just went into Susie combined with alcohol. And she was just out of this world screaming at all of them. The guys were just – I feel like the guys were in a great position where they could just take a step back. They weren't getting involved and just kind of see everything that was happening. It was it was wild. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next week, the next morning when Susie wakes up, if she remembers any of that happened or she'll just be like, oh, yeah, I completely blacked out. Um, it was – it was insane to see her like that. Cause like you said, she's always, her role in this group has kind of been like the in-between where you have ECBC, you have Maria <laughs> and Nikki, um, with their love affair with Paul and Vinny. And then you just have Susie who's there for the Su- good time. Susie's role is just like the cheerleader. She's like, you put on your best outfit, you get out there and you slay like that. That was early Susie. Now Susie's out here like gunning for people's necks. Yeah, she wanted to fight Bee Lashes at that uh, at whatever club they're at after the show. It was she called that Hoboken. Oh yeah, very a lot of jabs at Hoboken. So um, I have some friends in Hoboken. You have some friends. We have some family there. So it was a, it was a tough episode for Hoboken getting called, called out like that. Hoboken got dragged. Uh, yeah, like literally no one was safe. It was Hurricane Susie, and she destroyed everything in her path. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I agree. I don't know what what she's going to be like next week. I think she'll just apologize. But if she turns full heel, um, I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. Like it's it's good to have another person kind of stirring the pot, just besides Nikki. I just I, like I think she was just so like possessed by alcohol mostly that she just like couldn't hear what anyone was saying to her she's like i'm I'm standing up for you marissa for what darren said marissa's like we talked about it and like she apologized and whatever and like susie just just wasn't hearing it everyone's like what are you talking about susie she's like crash bandicoot just like spinning um (laughs) so let's get let's get to winners and losers uh you you go first um okay winners and losers I'm going to go with, okay, my winner, I'm going to go with Pool Party Poppy. Uh, they get brought on stage, the three, the three kind of, uh, cousins, the three, the, the three cousins get caught on stage, um, in a very, like, uncomfortable setting, for sure. Uh, they, earlier in the season, got pranked when they got waxed that they were going to have to work at Chippendales, but I thought he did the best job of kind of making the most out of it, seeming into it getting some laughs, and I think that's the route you have to go. Uh, Nikki and Brandon, eh, subpar, but he was, he was good. He got, a lot of, he got a lot of laughs. He won the competition, um, so I'm going pool party poppy. He's had a, cu- a tough run, I'm going to say, the past three or four episodes, minus that snack line, um, so this was good for him. I'll, I'll give him the dub. What about you? Yeah, he was, he was very funny. 
in the Chippendale show. He doesn't have, you know, the physique most of the strippers there have. So he just kind of rolled with it and made a joke of it. And it, it was very funny. My winner uh, for this episode, I'm going to say is Nikki because we, we've talked a lot of oh. that. A lot of bad stuff about her, but for her to keep her calm at the end of the episode when at the cake. So she, Nikki, they come back from all the madness of the night. Nikki's just baking cake at 4 a.m., which is an insane thing to do, and just speaks to her uh, mental well-being. But she just wanted to bake a cake. I don't know why, but all, that's all she wanted to do. And Susie starts like talking smack to her. She's like, "Who's the, who's this uh, b-word making cake right now at 4 a.m.?" And it must have taken Nikki so much strength not to just snap and like punch her like out cold because Nick, the two girls you really don't want to mess with are Nikki and Maria. Notice how Susie didn't say anything to Maria during that whole thing because Maria probably would have just beaten the crap out of her. Um, but for Nikki to keep her composure when she's trying to get something out of the cabinet, Susie won't move. That's when I thought it was going to just like <laughs> break out in the chaos. She didn't. Susie ended up going to sleep, and also. You know, following last week's episode where Nikki and Polly kind of had their little nice moment, she wasn't, like, insane in this episode. She's very calm. They were kissing a little bit, but nothing crazy. Yeah. She didn't jump the gun. She didn't, like, ask to marry him. So Yeah, it was a great episode for Nikki. I, I think Nikki, she's she's maturing in front of her eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, what is it, like, year three quarterback. This is the year they got to take the next step. Nikki's starting to show that. Yeah, um, she's Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, this yeah, exactly. On the tight end. She just got paid. Um, okay, Tyler, who's your loser? We'll do snake draft. My loser for this episode is it's pretty Ricky. Very tough looking oh. at the uh I think they're at Dre's after Chippendale's his moment with Darren just gets put on blast. He wasn't even involved in their <laughs> argument, but Susie just puts it on blast in front of everyone, so it's a tough look for Pretty Ricky. It happens to everyone. Um, like you said, Roman would be a good sponsor in that moment. Um, someone pulled that out for him, but tough look for him having Susie just put him on blast like that. Yeah, yeah. That was Ricky was was my number one loser. But number two, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Darren. Um, just because. It it's kind of felt like this was a long time coming. She called it Antonio's girlfriend, which really just wasn't cool. Um, and 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 this whole thing with Susie, did Susie go way too far? Absolutely. But she's the spirit of what she was going at Darren for isn't wrong. Um, if you're gonna agree to come on season two of the show, like I don't know, you kind of have to come in with a certain mindset. It seems like within a week or two of being there, she's like, this was a mistake, and it's kind of obvious. Um, so Susie, for the most part, was was speaking the truth in in uh, at, at the beginning there, at least, uh, before things really went off the rails. So Darren's, Darren's my loser. Yeah, Darren's just been like, she's just very judgmental of everyone's good time, which no one ever likes being around someone like that. So hopefully yeah. she turns it around. I, I just remembered this part, part I want to bring up. So Brandon is like, yeah, she, Susie's right. You know, she called Antonio's girlfriend, all this other stuff. Yeah. But one of the moments that I thought got glossed over that needed to be called out, our girl B-Lashes, they're in oh, the they're in the hotel. Darren being, Darren being shady. Yes, this this was a huge moment. I don't know. I don't know how it just got glossed over quickly. But they're back in the hotel after all the madness. Brandon and uh, B-Lashes are talking. And Brandon's like, what Susie said wasn't wrong. Darren is fake. 
I forget what else she said. He said she's a shady B word. Yeah. And and B lashes, who's Darren's girl, ECBC. She got that's how she got into this whole ride or die. Ride or die. Says. Don't like, I'm, talk B-Lashes, Tyler. B-Lashes says to Brennan, she's like, I'm not disagreeing with you, or something like that. And I was like, wow, B-Lashes just did not defend Darren at all in that moment. Yeah, Let's yeah. see if that comes back up uh, any time in the show. I thought that was stunning. Yeah, it was. It, it was indeed. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that wraps it up, Tyler. Um, we're on uh, Giannis tonight to score more than 31.5 points. By the time this comes out, hopefully we have some more winners. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back next week. Everyone enjoy another week of, of We Have Sports. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.